I was tired and I was ready to walk away from our marriage. Abby's husband serves in the military, which is difficult enough on her family. But when they couldn't agree on the best ways to raise their kids, that put a huge strain on their relationship. Thankfully, our podcast helped transform Abby's perspective. It brought a normality to some of the struggles that we had. These struggles, we we are not alone in them. And that gave me a sense of hope. Today, Abby's marriage is better than ever. I don't believe that we would be where we are today without focus. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can bring hope to more marriages like Abby's, no matter what challenges they may be facing. Can we count on your support today? Donate at focusonthefamily.com slash real families or call 800 the letter A and the word family. Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting podcast. Every parent wants our kids to know who they are and what they stand for. I mean, sometimes uh, you might hear parents say, hey, we're the Smiths. We do it this way. And you don't want your children to change based on who they're hanging around with at any given moment. But really, the, the truth is, as moms and dads, we're in the best position to help our kids develop a strong sense of who they are. And today we're going to talk more about that. I'm John Fuller, joined by Dr. Danny Huerta, who heads up our parenting and youth department here at Focus on the Family. And we're going to kick off uh, this episode with the continuation of a conversation Jim Daly and I had with authors Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson, who had some great advice to help your kids develop a more secure identity. What are those signs, Tim, where we're missing it? I mean, we talked about the right way to handle something like that to help the child's radar improve and to better understand who they are and what their gifts and their talents may or may not be. What are the mistakes we make as parents with that kid? Let us see that. When you're walking away from that little league game, what shouldn't a dad or a mom say to that? I don't think they should say, you just don't know play baseball. You're a terrible batter. And they shouldn't tell them that you're the best player on the team. Um, and that's the problem with uh, affirmation. You're not saying tell them you're a terrible batter. You're no, saying I'm, guard them that way. Yeah. But be real say, with them. And say, well, well that's them. something you've got to work on. And Yeah, and Mike and I talk about uh, when you tell the truth to your kids, it needs to be loving and encouraging, but most importantly, it needs to be accurate. It needs to reflect the reality for them. Uh, and some parents don't like to go there. Yeah. Um, they they want to build up this false self in their child, and that's very damaging. Well, and we're, our culture is full of that right now, isn't it? Especially Building with social that, media, that false self. And, right. Yeah, the, Facebook the, is false self. Yeah, because you're is. putting your best foot forward all the time, yeah. whether you're a, a teenager or whether you're 65. <laughs> so we may need a little bit of that truth serum. And yeah. parents generally don't realize they're adding stress to their kids' lives by doing that. Yeah. How? Why do we need to open our eyes to that? How does because that I don't know, work? I know a lot of things. <laughs> My career has been talking to kids in stress. I don't know anything that stresses them more than a kid that has no exceptional traits being told that they're exceptional. Hmm. Because they don't have the ability to live up to the expectation. And that's really stressful. And we have lost, I'm going to generalize here, as a culture, we've kind of lost the magnificence and the beauty and the tremendous wonderfulness of being normal. And we put kids, kids today that come in my office feel it's an insult to be called normal. And we've, as adults, we've done that. 
And that's something we want to delve into uh, when we come back next time, and we're going to get there. And uh, I'm excited about that because, again, this is so important for parents to get a hold of, but it's so counterintuitive. That's why I love your book, Gist. Uh, Before we leave today, though, the point I wanted to punch, and you talk about it in the book, uh, is this idea of loving your kids. Most parents know how to love their kids. And why is that so important that your child feels loved by you as the parent? Well, I think um, kids need to be loved in a way that they know you are a straight shooter, that you're going to tell them the truth. It will give them a feeling of safety and security beyond anything else. And kids need – one of the ways we um, express love to our kids is spending time with them one-on-one. And that's a really important thing is – to enter their life and their interests. If a kid loves the Civil War history, take a trip with your kid to Gettysburg or something. Well, what are those important ingredients in expressing love to your child? And spending time with them is certainly one, yeah, a very but, important but, one. But spending time one-on-one with them. So the family time uh, isn't always, you need that, but you need one-on-one time as well. Yeah. Love is conveyed. It, when you spend time with a kid one-on-one, you often see a different side of that child, and yeah. you bond with them, and it creates a salient memory. And when they're older, when they're an adult, they'll talk about that mm-hmm. trip that dad and I took, or and they won't really talk that much about a family trip. And that's a, an area where if you have two or three kids, sometimes for Gene and I, we've not done that well because we do everything together, whether it's camping or what, whatever it might be. And that's probably an area for me personally that I have to be more mindful of, spend separate time with Trent and Troy. And family and, time is important, sure. but it's overrated. <laughs> Why do you say that? Um, just uh, to piggyback on what Mike said, kids will remember the individual time with grandpa or dad or mom. They, um, that's what they'll talk about. That's what they're that, going to talk that's about when they're 30. Yeah. Uh, they're going to say, oh, I just loved it when Nani and I used to cook or bake cookies or when dad and I would go fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned the love trap, and I don't want to get away today without mentioning that. What did you uh, express in the book about love trap and avoid the love trap? Well, we want so much to love our kids and for them to know that they're loved, that they have a power, a magic wand, and it is to say, I know you don't love me because you took mm-hmm. away the car or you did something. So if you love me, you wouldn't. Yeah, you've made me unhappy. Yeah, so you, you don't wouldn't love search me. my room. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is if you love me, you wouldn't create this much pain in me, which is kind of a blame thing. But the love trap is that when parents buy into that, and um, your job is to raise your kid and get them ready for adulthood, and your job is to love your kid, but that has to be a higher priority than your relationship because your child can ruin the relationship without you but they can't ruin your love. So the parent is feeling that they're not loving well? Yes. Okay, that's what you're talking the about. The child's convinced the parent that they're not hmm. loving well, and that's the Achilles heel of a lot of conscientious parents. And so, that's because a child believes many times that their the, parent's job is to make them happy. Yeah. And the easiest out of that is let's talk about that later. Well, Michael and Timothy uh, were describing something they called the love trap, that idea that Teens can be very persuasive, even manipulative. And if you let them, they will push your buttons. And Danny, before we started, I told you that I got a very provocative call from one of my kids. And he was just trying to push my buttons. What should we as parents be looking out for 
when we sense that happening? Well, first of all, figure out why it's a button for you. Uh, that's oh. an important place to start. Now, that's a tough one. <laughs> Who a, wants to do yeah. self-introspection? Yeah, you have to figure out, why is that even that's, a button for me? Hmm, that's good. What, what momentum was created inside of me emotionally because of the momentum inside my teen? Hmm. Something's happening in your teen emotionally, maybe a desire that's all of a sudden shown up in your interaction. And we don't need to be paranoid that our kids are trying to manipulate us all the time. But there are some competing desires. Some of it is to get along with uh, parents and have a good relationship. And the other one is I want to get my way. I want this because I want it now. And I know that I've had some conversations with my teen son where I've asked the question, what is it that you really want? Hmm. Help me understand that because I see something different here. You're asking me something that... uh, I, I think is led by something else inside, another emotion. You're asking if you can uh, use the phone outside of the time that you're allowed to, and you're giving me reasons why I should let you do that. Help me understand why you really want that right now, hmm. and it was worth you asking the question. Uh, I just want to understand you better. And for us as parents, this is about helping our teens understand themselves better and also for us to understand our teens better. Okay, it's so not about preventing uh, manipulation or lies to take shape. We have to understand what is underneath it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our kids, I had to get to a point where I realized the request or the statement is not the thing. Yeah. There's something behind that, and, and it might be a, a need that can't be expressed or some desire for something that, you know what, if I ask it this way, it's going to be a no, so I'm going to ask it this way and going to work my way over there. So how do I slow down, going back to how you, you began uh, answering the question, how do I slow down when I sense... I'm getting a little triggered here. I'm finding myself kind of getting in that child's face and making Mm -hmm. some accusations. I need to slow down, but how? See, I love the word respect, John, because respect, re, is looking back, Mm -hmm. and spect comes from the word spectacles. Oh. uh, Or or spectacles comes from the word spect, right? And that is to see. And so I need to look inside of me, but also Mm -hmm. see what's needed for the moment. And so it's almost as if I'm putting glasses on. Hey, let me read this moment. Mm. Right? Let me put my glasses on and figure out what respect means, how I can be respectful towards what you're saying, but also helping a teen understand the fact that they need to see in- internally to figure out mm. how can we be respectful in this conversation together. When you start to feel a shift inside, know that your 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 nonverbals are going to be felt by your teen and they're going to be reacting to that yeah. and all of a sudden you guys are way off track try to regulate that maybe look in the mirror if you need to before you respond to to just see what's going on outside of you and then come back to it. Say, hey, wait a minute. You go to the mirror, you look, and then you come back, and you can have fun with that with your teen. <laughs> That's good. And just say, I just want to be prepared on the outside to make sure I'm present well, and I just I want to understand you better. Mm. That's really good, and uh, I think builds on what we've heard today from Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson, and uh, we're going to recommend their book to you. It is a great resource full of common sense parenting advice. It's called GIST, The Essence of Raising Life-Ready Kids. Ask about getting your copy when you make a donation of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family today. That's kind of our thank you gift for your support of the work of the ministry and partnering with us to equip parents to say, hey, give me a second. 
I'm going to come back to you in a better frame of mind. It's also uh, part of our ministry to help struggling couples and uh, to save babies and so much more. Donate and request that book when you call 800-A-FAMILY or further details are in the episode notes. And it may be that you're just becoming acquainted with Focus on the Family. Uh, We've been around since 1977. I'll encourage you to stop by our parenting website. It's got so many great resources, including a series of articles about the seven traits of effective parenting and a free parenting assessment as well. Again, details are in the episode notes. Next time, we'll have some help for managing anger on those days that you feel like you are at the end of your rope. For now, on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. Good parents aren't perfect, and that's okay. But there are ways you can grow every day. Focus on the Family's Seven Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment gives parents an honest look at their unique strengths, plus some areas they could use a little help. Every mom and dad can help raise the next generation of healthy, mature, and responsible children. And this assessment will help get you started. Take the assessment at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash 7Trades. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash 7Trades.